as the holidays approach, now is the time for reflecting on all of the blessings and have gratitude for all of the things in our lives. In this episode, I want to highlight a current trend that I'm seeing in financial planning, and that is people wanting to distribute their wealth during their lifetimes. People want to help the people that they love and the causes that they care about during their lifetime so that they can benefit from seeing the person enjoying receiving the funds. Developing a gifting strategy is a wonderful way to do that. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about some creative ways that you can do gifting. Hello, Danette here, and welcome to the Ready to Retire podcast, where we share real-life stories and actionable tips and strategies to help you along your financial journey. Are you ready to retire? Let's go. When I started to think about writing this episode, one of the first things I remembered was a time when I was in high school, I received a $500 scholarship from the Fremont Firefighters Association. And that $500 scholarship made a tremendous difference in my life. It was a huge chunk of what it took for me to pay for my tuition for college at that time. And I remember thinking at the time that I couldn't wait until I was able to do the same thing, that I would be able to give $500 scholarship to someone else. Years later, when I was able to do that, it is the greatest feeling. It felt as good as receiving the money the first time when I was able to write a check for $500 to fund a scholarship for someone else. I've done that over the years, and I have to just say that I feel blessed and grateful that I'm able to support organizations that have values that are in line with mine. My clients are the same way. They are establishing regular gifting plans as part of an overall financial planning strategy. They're donating to support their children's businesses. They're giving money to their grandchildren to help fund higher education. And they're also contributing to the causes and organizations that they support that align with their values. When you have a blessed life, there is no greater joy than sharing that with others. A few months ago, my husband and I went to a music concert for a Christian pop band called For King and Country. The group for King and Country did something very extraordinary at their concert. They sat during the intermission and shared their story of when they were young children and came to this country, their father had lost his job. They relied on receiving a lot of gifts from the members of their church, and it was a life-changing difference for what they received when they were young men. They sat during the intermission, and instead of telling you to go out into the lobby and purchase 
their merchandise or their swag, they sat the whole time and talked about their story and the good work of this organization, Compassion International. And they had an opportunity for you to sponsor a child right there. They had people standing around and handing out a tote bag and a book that was written by their mother about the life story. And if you donated to a child right there, then they gave you this tote bag and book. I was so impressed that these young singers would do that, take this time to support another organization in such a big way. I mean, they took a lot of time out of their event to do this. And I felt so honored and blessed to be able to support this child that we sponsored. His name is Gustavo, and he's close in age to our own granddaughter. The amount of money that we give to him is probably really significant for him, but it probably pales in comparison to how much I enjoy the process of giving, to how much I enjoy knowing that some of the money that I have is shared with him. And I was so grateful to the band for King and Country to provide me with the opportunity to do that. That was one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this whole idea of giving and gifting and what are some fun strategies that we can do and a few things that have changed. There are two main types of gifting. One is to friends and family. And the other is to a qualified charity. A qualified charity is a charity that has a valid 501c3 IRS designation. The main difference when deducting to a charity is that it is tax deductible, although the standard deduction is so high now that it may not count towards that. So we're going to talk about a little workaround strategy later in the episode. The other type of gifting is to family and friends. And that type of gifting is not tax deductible typically, but we're also going to talk about a couple of workarounds there. So pro tip, if you're going to make a large donation to a charity, you'll want to verify that it does have a valid tax ID, a valid exemption. And to do that, the IRS has a tax-exempt organization status website where you can check their organization's credentials. We'll put a link to that in the description below. Let's start by talking about gifting to loved ones. This is really important because I think that it's important to help prepare the next generation to receive wealth. If you've accumulated a decent-sized net worth, it's important to teach the people who are going to inherit it how to handle that kind of money. And I think gifting strategies are just a great way to help the next generation prepare. The first thing we want to talk about is the annual gift exclusion amount. This is an amount that changes every year right now in 2022. It's $16,000. We think that that amount is going to go up to $17,000 next year. 
The annual gift exclusion amount is the amount that you can gift to someone that is below the threshold for having to file a gift tax return. So it's meant to include Christmas gifts, birthday gifts, vacations, you know, going out to dinner together. So the annual gift exclusion amount is meant to cover those things that you're normally gifting to family members and friends so that it doesn't create a tax consequence. If you exceed that amount, then you would file a gift tax return. And the amount that you can give is really quite large. So you don't owe tax on the gift, but if you make a much larger gift, you will have to file a return. So if you're making larger gifts than $16,000 per person, then you'll want to make sure that you're keeping track, keeping really good records, and checking with your tax preparer to help you with your strategy. So let's talk about a couple of fun things you can do with your annual gift exclusion. Did you know that if you have a partner and your child has a partner, that you could gift up to $64,000 using your annual gift exclusion. That's right. You are able to give your child $16,000 and your spouse or partner is also able to give your child $16,000. That makes $32,000. And if your child has a partner, then you and your spouse or partner can give your child, spouse or partner 32,000 as well for a total of 64,000. And a really cool use of this is to help someone put a down payment on a home. A friend of ours used this strategy and helped their daughter and her partner get into a little bit of a bigger home and also in a little bit of a nicer neighborhood. The kids had already qualified to purchase a home. They had already done all of the legwork. It was a really cool way to give a little bit of boost to the kids and enjoy seeing them use the money during their lifetimes. The other thing to note is that payments for medical expenses or educational expenses, payments made directly to the institution, do not count towards the annual gift exclusion. I had a client who told me that when his grandson had to go into a rehab, that they were able to pay the institution, the rehab clinic directly, and that did not count towards their annual gift exclusion that year. So if you're funding higher education and you make the payments directly to the university or educational institution, then you do not have to count that money towards your annual gift exclusion. Now, another special rule comes in the case of 529 plans. If you're funding a 529 plan, you can make five years of contributions in one year. So that works out great if the child that you're funding is a little bit older and you got maybe a little bit of a late start, then you can fund five years together at once to help them get going. The only thing to note is that the limits, the total amount that you contribute to 529 plans is limited and varies state to state. 
So check with your financial professional in the state that you live in before you work on a strategy like this. Another great option, especially for a 529 plan, is setting up a systematic monthly payment. This works really great for 529 plans and can be done for as little as $50 a month and perhaps even less. It's a great way to get started on a gifting program and make it become automatic so that you don't even notice these little amounts going out on a regular basis. Are you a business owner? Well, consider hiring the person that you want to gift money to and keep treating them as an employee in your business and also put them to work if you do use this method. It will help teach them about your business. And if you're a business owner like I am, I know you need the help and it's a great way to help you out. Now let's switch gears and start talking about charitable gifting. Charitable gifting is a huge topic with a lot of moving parts. We put together a checklist that's available. We'll put a link below in the description, a checklist that covers the four sort of main things that you want to consider before you're making a substantial charitable gift or donation. The checklist covers foundational issues like doing your due diligence on the charity itself. It covers asset issues, cash flow issues, and most importantly, tax issues. So if you're considering making a charitable donation, this is a wonderful checklist for you to check out. So for today's purposes, we're going to cover three strategies for charitable giving. We're going to talk about donating highly appreciated assets, charitable gifting directly from your IRA, and something called a donor-advised fund. Let's start by talking about highly appreciated assets. If you're thinking about making a large charitable donation and you have an asset or an investment that has increased substantially in value, consider donating that asset instead of cash. When you donate the asset that has made a lot of money, then you will be able to deduct the full amount, the fair market value of the asset at the time you make the donation. And you will not have to pay capital gains taxes on the gain of that investment. So if you have an investment that had $100,000 of gains, you would not have to sell it first, pay the capital gains tax, and then donate what's left to the charity. You can donate the asset in its full value to the charity, saving you the capital gains taxes. And that's a benefit to the charity because then they get the full value of the asset. So consider doing that instead of using cash if that's available to you in your situation. And a pro tip here is regardless of what strategy you use, please seek the advice of your CPA and or your financial advisor. Another option for making a charitable contribution is gifting directly from your IRA. You can make up to a $100,000 charitable donation directly from your IRA. And as long as the money goes straight to the charity, 
you will not have to claim that as income for taxes. And this amount does count towards satisfying your required minimum distribution if you're over 72. The last thing I want to talk about is a strategy of using something called donor-advised funds. Donor-advised funds are where you make a contribution into an investment and you have time to decide who ultimately receives the money. So one of the reasons why it works so great right now is that when Congress increased the standard deduction, the new standard deduction is so high that a lot of our charitable giving doesn't qualify anymore. Like it's not higher than the standard deduction. So a lot of people are taking a standard deduction and their charitable giving isn't enough to exceed it. So then it's not tax deductible. But if you combine multiple years of giving into one by using a vehicle like a donor advised fund, then you can potentially qualify for a deduction in the year that you make it. The neat thing about a donor advised fund is that you don't have to decide right away who is going to be receiving the money. So you can incorporate it as part of your family gifting strategy and invite your family members to help you pick who is going to ultimately receive how much money and when over time. My wish for you is that you consider incorporating a gifting strategy into your financial plan. Take a minute to congratulate yourself and really enjoy the feeling that you get from giving to someone that you love or an organization that you care about. I'm so grateful to have you join me today on the Ready to Retire podcast. If you'd like to learn more information, please visit our website at truenorthwealth.com. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.